I love meeting old couples. I just got to start with that. I really do. Every time I get an opportunity, I love going up to older couples and just asking them how long they've been together. And then when the number just blows me away, just asking what their secret is. I'll even do this. Like I was sitting with a buddy of mine at Pete's and we were just hanging out and this this older couple gets out of their car, you know, pulling up right in front of us. And the guy gets out and goes around and opens the door for his bride of, I think they were together for like 40-something odd years, opens the door for her, helps her out, you know. And it was just so adorable, you know, to see after so long, like there's still that love, there's still that passion, there's still that spark. And so I always, always ask, you know, What's kept you guys together? You know, uh, Laura and I are coming up on 10 years in October. Woohoo! <laughs> and we've got so much to learn. We've got so much to learn as a couple. And, and so I just always listen intently. And sure, the answers boil down to just a couple things, but that's another sermon for another time. Really, the reason I always listen, regardless of the answer, is whatever the answer is, like, that's kept them together. For that long, you know, they've they've stood the test of time. You know, they've uh, they've stayed together through thick and thin, through the ups and the downs, um, and whatever has caused their faithfulness clearly has been working, because they're still there and they're still together. Uh, today we're wrapping up our series on the church. Uh, our, this uh, this series has been called "Church is God's Idea." And the reason the, the you are is in a different color is because you are the church. You and I are the body of Christ. This series has been intentionally focused on uh, how we as the body of Christ should be functioning with each other, with the world, and with our Savior. And I have to just stop and say just how much I love this church. I, I really, really do. Um, I love, I love talking about this body. I love talking about uh, what I get to do from day to day. I love um, just talking about you guys and uh, just the amazing connections, the amazing relationships that are here. Um, you know, I, I, I preface people with, like, look, I'm biased, right, because I work there. Um, but, you know, in reality, um, you know, Laura and I attended here for a year before um, – before, we, before I even started working here. Um, and, it, and it just felt like home, and it felt like family. Um, and it's just been a joy to get to, to walk with you guys through the ups and the downs, through the goods and the bads, and um, you know, just, just to get to live life together. Um, you know, uh, when, things, when things are challenging here, when things are tough here, they're still good. They really are. Um, and... Uh, you know, kind of like the tough times in marriage. Um, you know, they're still tough. But, you know, what, what, I, what I think about, like, you know, like Laura and I have been through some difficult times in our, in our almost 10 years. But, but I go, well, I, I still have Laura, you know, and I still have my kids, you know. And, and, I, and I just reflect on, on those things. Like, even though we've been through difficulties, like, we've been through them together, you know. And I feel the same way about this church body. Like, even though we've been through difficulties, even though there's been... Uh, challenges like we've we've faced them together and we've continued to to just walk together you know um, and and that is is just beautiful um, and um, even just in, in these past couple of weeks I've just been so blessed and so blown away some of you have 
gone above and beyond to, to help me out as with, with Dave being gone, and, and thank you so much for that. It's, it's just been, been awesome to, to know and that I have your support. Um, yeah, I, I love this body. Uh, okay, so enough sentimentality. Let's, let's keep going here. <laughs> um, let me talk about just where we've been. Um, we've, we've looked at a lot of different things that the church should, should be, the church should be doing, um, and all of these things came from Scripture. I, this, this series, again, is called Church is God's Idea, right? So, if it's called Church is God's Idea, we should be looking at what God's idea is, what God's plan is, what God wanted the church to be. And so we've turned to Scripture and looked at that. What did he say? What instruction did he give? How did he want his body to function? So just as a way of review, uh, we've looked at um, the importance of sound biblical preaching. We talked about that. Uh, we talked about the importance of theology, of, of knowing what's right, you know, and being able to discern between what's right and what's wrong, really understanding Scripture well. Uh, we've talked about the importance of of the gospel and evangelism, giving that out to others, uh, talking with others about uh, who our Savior is. We've talked about, as the church, uh, the importance of community and fellowship, the importance of, uh, as I was just talking about, living life together, being together. And along with that, uh, we talked about membership and the idea of staying together and saying, you know, we're, we're committed here. Um, and, and membership isn't like this, this card that you get so that you get a better parking space and you get a discount on, you know, the coffee and donuts or whatever. It's free. Um, and it's, it's not any of that at all. It's just saying like, look, this is my body. This is where I'm committed. This is where I want to be, you know. And, um, and us saying, yeah, like we're here. We're committed to you as well. Like this, this great relationship. Um, and uh, we also talked about um, spreading out, sharing and serving, taking, taking what we have and giving it to others. You know, these, uh, these Sunday morning services should be that, that, little, that little boost for you, you know, like taking your phone and plugging it into the charger and getting recharged so that you can be back out there sharing with people, talking with people, reaching out to your neighbors, your friends, your family, those that need to hear the gospel. And then you come back here and, and you're around your church body again, or you go to community group and you're there with your brothers and sisters in Christ and, and getting recharged so that you can go back out. You know, like the, the, the purpose isn't for us to stay here and go, man, isn't Jesus awesome? And let's just talk about this amongst ourselves. But no, like we need to be spreading out and sharing it with others. We also talked about the importance of growing, you know, not remaining stagnant in your faith, but continuing to grow, continuing to get closer to God. And we also talked about uh, church leadership and followership, followership. Kurt came last week and uh, just did a great job just kind of outlining the, the role of, of leaders in the church and uh, the role of followers as well and just working together as one body. So here's our list. Here's um, kind of just where we've been in this series and, and just tackling these different ideas and looking at them together as the church. And there's uh, two themes that have kind of stood out in this series that, um, that I've seen just interwoven into, into each uh, sermon, into to every little part of this. Um, to be a healthy church, to be a healthy body, uh, first of all, we must be 
organic. Um, we must be organic, like, like a body. Uh, you know, uh, different workouts work for different people uh, in different seasons for different reasons. Um, and in the same way, uh, a ministry that's going on here at NBC may be working now, but maybe in a month or, or in a year, you know, it won't exist anymore, or it'll look different, or it'll change. Maybe it'll disappear altogether. Programs that we see as vital right now uh, might not be here in the future. But, you know, ministries and programs, these things that we're here and doing, are there to accomplish our biblical call. Preaching, theology, evangelism, community, membership, serving, growth, leadership. This is what we're called to do. This is who we're called to be as a church. According to Scripture, according to what God has laid out for us, this is God's idea for what He wants the church to be. So, programs and ministries can come and go, but this is the core of who the church is supposed to be. So that's one, is that, that we're supposed to be organic, like, you know, it, things are going to change, things are going to go up and down, and something that's going to be great here is not going to be as great, you know, and so uh, being ready for that and prepared for that. Uh, but also that uh, the other theme that's just kind of remained throughout this series is the importance of being faithful. The importance of being faithful, and that's what we're going to look at as we wrap up this series together. Let me pray. God, this is not my church or Dave's church or the the elders' church or anyone's church. This is your church. This is your body. Lord, let us just seek you this morning. Lord, let us come to you humble, open, and ready to listen. And Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to be faithful. We want to succeed. We want to get to the end and hear, well done, good and faithful servants. We we want to get to hear that. Um, But Lord, there's a lot in our way, a lot of challenges ahead, and Um, so Lord, just let us continue to run to you and to turn to you and uh, to seek your help as we uh, push forward in this. Lord, as we dive into your word together, let it be about you um, and let your words come across crystal clear this morning. Um, Don't let mine get in the way. Uh, Don't let other distractions get in the way this morning, but Lord, let us hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So being faithful, um, this is our call. This is what God has, has called us to do as a church. As we looked at all these different things um, that God has called us to do, overarchingly, every, in every single one of these, we need to be faithful. And there are plenty of Bible verses about being faithful. First of all, just dive into the books of First and Second Timothy. Uh, those two letters that Paul wrote uh, to Timothy, drip with the idea of being faithful. But look at just a couple of verses right here. Uh, first of all, First Timothy six eleven and 12, it says, But as for you, O man of God, 
Flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. And I love that last part. It says, fight the good fight. Continue to be in there. Continue to push. It's, it's going to get hard. It's going to get difficult. It's going to get challenging. Continue to fight, Timothy. Don't give up. Stay in there. Continue to pursue these things. It's not just pursue them once and be done, but continue to be in there. Paul's charging him and, and pushing him to be faithful. But it's not just something he's giving to someone else. Uh, Paul says this as well, Philippians 3.12, Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. There again, we see being faithful. I press on. I press on. Continue. Then in Matthew 24, verses 3 and 4, as He sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to Him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And when will the sign of Your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. That's what he points them to. Instead of saying, hey, just, just hang on until this time. This is when I'm coming back. You know, he doesn't give them a date. He doesn't say, you, you've got to hang on for this long. He says, see that no one leads you astray. He doesn't give them a, a, a time limit, you know, or a certain amount like, don't worry, you only have to be faithful for this long. This is it, you know. If you can, if you can keep doing this for a few days, or if you can keep doing this for a few weeks, or whatever, you know, like sometimes those things are helpful for us. You know, oh, good, I only have to do this for this long. Okay, I can handle that. No, Jesus doesn't do that. He says, "Look, see that no one leads you astray." That's what I need from you. I need you to continue to be faithful. Uh, we're going to dive into uh, one more passage a little bit deeper. Um, and this one points to our call to be faithful. So open with your Bibles, uh, open your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Verses 21 to 23 says this. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister." First of all, can we just recognize the beauty of the gospel in this passage? And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. God sees us as holy and blameless and above reproach. And I know I'm not that. I'm not. You're not. 
But that's how he sees us. He reconciled us. And so what does he call us to do then? If indeed you continue in the faith. Continue in the faith. The first uh, Sunday we started this series, Dave tossed up this quote and I, and I wrote it down. And I, as I came back to it, man, it, it hit me again uh, this week. You need to be called of God to stick out from a complacent alien community like a sore thumb. You need not try to stick out. Just be faithful and God will arrange it. Some of you are chuckling. You've seen that already. You've seen the truth of that. We don't have to try to stick out. We just need to continue to be faithful to what God has called us to do. And He'll take care of the rest. Continue to be faithful. <coughs> I tell you, uh, we, we did a family road trip um, last summer. Uh, did seven states, 3,000 miles. Uh, just kind of journeyed around. And the hardest part of the trip was Utah. It's a long stretch. You know, we were still in the middle of our trip. You know, the end wasn't quite in sight yet. You know, well, nothing was in sight. We were in Utah. Um, you know, and we're just driving along, and boy, man, it was exhausting. It was just long, long stretches of road with absolutely nothing there. And, you know, you're humming along at 75, 80 miles an hour, and you're like, are we moving at all? Like, this looks exactly the same, you know. And, and boy, it was hard to kind of get through those times, you know. And, and as it is in our walk with Christ, like, sometimes, like, we feel like we're in the middle of Utah, just kind of humming along, and everything looks the same, and, you know, we're, we're trying to continue, but, boy, is it hard to be faithful in those times. It's difficult. But that's what we're called to do. We're called to continue in the faith. Continue in the faith. Regardless of what's going on. Continue. Then he says, stable and steadfast. Stable and steadfast. Uh, Back in uh, the early 1900s, there were two different teams that were that were racing to be the first to, to reach the South Pole. And uh, one team went uh, an average of 15 miles a day, no matter what. Regardless of the weather, regardless of what was going on, they got up and they went 15 miles. Got up, 15 miles. Got up, 15 miles. Man, today's really clear. Let's go further. Nope, 15 miles. 15 miles. And the other varied the speed based on the weather. Guess who won? The steady team. But I feel like uh, this illustrates the concept a little bit better. Imagine you're standing with your feet in the Pacific Ocean in San Diego, California. Or San Jose. That's cool. Santa Cruz, wherever. You're about to embark on a 3,000-mile walk from San Diego to the tip of Maine. On the first day, you march 20 miles, making it out of town. On the second day, you march 20 miles. And again, on the third day, you march 20 miles, heading into the heat of the desert. It's hot, more than 100 degrees, and you want to rest in the cool of your tent. But you don't. You get up and you march 20 miles. You keep the pace. 
20 miles a day. Then the weather cools and you are in comfortable conditions with the wind at your back and you could go much further, but you hold back, modulating your effort. You stick with your 20 miles. Then you reach the Colorado high mountains and get hit by snow, wind, and temperatures below zero. And all you want to do is stay in your tent. But you get up, you get dressed, and you march your 20 miles. You keep up the effort, 20 miles, 20 miles, 20 miles. And then you cross into the plains and it's glorious springtime. And you could go 40 or 50 miles in a day. But you don't. You sustain your pace, marching 20 miles. And eventually, you get to Maine. Now imagine another person who starts out with you on the same day in San Diego. He gets all excited by the journey and logs 40 miles the first day. Exhausted by his first gigantic day, he wakes up to 100 degree temperatures. He decides to hang out until the weather cools thinking, I'll make it when the conditions approve. He maintains this pattern. Big days with good conditions, whining and waiting in his tent on bad days as he moves across the western U.S. Just before the Colorado high mountains, he gets a spate of great weather, and he goes all out, logging 40 to 50 mile days to make up for lost ground. But then he hits a huge weather storm when utterly exhausted. It nearly kills him, and he hunkers down in his tent waiting for spring. When spring finally comes, he emerges, weakened, and stumbles off towards Maine. By the time he enters Kansas City, you, with your relentless 20-mile march, have already reached the tip of Maine. You win by a huge margin. There's something to be said for continuing to be stable and steadfast, continuing to keep going, no matter the weather, no matter what's going on. Lord, man, I don't feel like reading your word today. I don't feel like you know, doing what you've asked me to. I don't feel like loving my neighbor today. I don't feel like being a good father. I don't feel like reaching out to my neighbors. But I know I need to be. I know I need to continue, stable, steadfast. I know I need to keep marching. I need to keep doing this. Hebrews 12.1. I love this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance. The race that is set out before us. Run with endurance. You don't start out in a sprint, but you prepare. Okay, I'm just going to keep a good pace and continue. Stable and steadfast. What else does he say? He says, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Not shifting from the hope of the gospel. This this is what gets me up every morning. It is. I love uh, 2 Corinthians 4 where it says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Light and momentary afflictions are preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And it's not, you know, this verse isn't making light of the difficulties that we face. It's not. It says our light and momentary troubles. Some of us, I know, are dealing with really difficult stuff, really weighty things. But you know why he calls them light and momentary? Is because compared to the glory of eternity, compared to getting to sit at the feet of Jesus 
forever? It's nothing. And so the hope of the Gospel is what should continue to drive us, continue to push us. Man, one day, we're going to get to sit at the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus. So can you allow that hope to continue to push you forward? To continue to motivate you? To continue to, to, to help you through when, when things are difficult? When, uh, when, when life gets hard? When it gets really hard to obey this? When you get lost? When you get frustrated? When you get down? And the hope of the Gospel fuel you. Don't forget, this is not your home. Don't shift from this. Don't shift from this. We're going to spend the rest of our time uh, looking at seven different churches that Jesus spoke to in the book of Revelation. Uh, so will you turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. Some of you like filling in blanks. Uh, so on the back of your uh, sheet, there's some blanks to fill in. Um, get out those pens and get ready. Here we go. We're going to fill in some blanks. But I love that, that here we have Jesus' word to seven different churches. We get to kind of get a, a little picture of what's going on in these different churches, and, and we get what Jesus has to say. But as you look through uh, what he says to these different churches, there's there's, there's two kind of main themes that he's really driving at. And the first is to be watchful. To be watchful. He says uh, in Revelation 2.4, um, he says, don't abandon, don't abandon your first love. 2.4, he says, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. It seems obvious as a church, right? Like, hey, don't forget that you're in this because of your love for Jesus. That seems obvious, right? Yeah, of course not. Like, that's why we're here as a church. But it's not that far-fetched for that to happen. How easy is it, married couples, to forget the spark that you had? You get so wrapped up in the busyness, the details, the impending problems, the frustrations, the challenges of marriage that you forget what your relationship is all about. It happens, right? Like I said, I love asking couples what brought them together first or how he knew she was the one. I love asking couples that because it brings them back to the foundation of their relationship. Man, what what brought you guys together? What really, like drew her to you? Like, what, what, what made her so attractive that you wanted to pursue her? Like, tell me about that. And you see, like, this sparkle in his eyes as he starts to talk about it. And it brings them back to, to where their love began. And in the church, this can so easily happen that, that we can get wrapped up in, in things that we're doing or disagreements that we're having or, you know, this, this program isn't working right or, you know, this, this over here is just, you know, like that guitar was way out of tune or whatever. Like, and we, we start to, to focus on these little things that we can forget what, what, what it's all about. That we can abandon our first love. 
We need to continually be drawn back to our love for Jesus and His love for us. Because without Him, we are nothing. And let me just pause on that for a second because it's so important to remember as we're talking about being faithful, as we're talking about continuing on when times get difficult, it's not your strength. It's not your ability. It's not my strength. It's not my ability. None of us can do this. None of us has the capability of doing this. Rather, this is God working in and through us. And so we need to continue to rely on Him. We need to continue to run to Him. We need to continue to seek Him to get that strength to continue on day after day. We cannot do this on our own. So yes, we're called to do this, but only by the power of Jesus. Only by the power of Jesus. Don't abandon your first love. Also, uh, Jesus tells the churches, don't tolerate false teachers. Uh, in here, he commends people for not putting up with false teachers, while at the same time, he, he slams on churches that are allowing false teachers in. So how do we do this as a church? We have to let Scripture be our authority. We have to spend time in God's Word so that we know when it's misrepresented. And as I've said multiple times from up front, and as Dave says often, don't be afraid to call me out, to call Dave out, or anyone else that preaches or teaches, Gria, Kel, Kurt, Angel, your CG leaders, children's ministry teachers, youth ministry teachers, on and on and on. Anyone that's teaching, you hear the gospel misrepresented, you hear God's word misrepresented, you'd better say something. Protect the church against false teachers. Look, we're human. We make mistakes. And sometimes I'm going to misrepresent God's word as much as I desire to, to present it accurately to you. Sometimes I will do it wrong. And I need your encouragement and guidance and, and help in just directing me in that. But then at the same time, there are wolves. There are people that want to come in and, and, and turn the church in a negative direction. And we need to be watching out for those as well. People that are intentionally trying to pull the church away. Don't tolerate false teachers. Also, he says, to honestly assess your status. Honestly assess your status. Revelation 3, 1-2, it says, And to the uh, angel in church in Sardis write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about uh, to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. There he says... Uh, that they have this reputation. People, people know them to be this church that's alive. But in reality, they're dead. And he says, wake up. Realize where you're really at. Honestly get a picture of where your church is at. And then later in chapter 3, when he's writing to the church in Laodicea, he says, I know your works, you're neither hot nor cold. Would that you would be either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Not realizing. 
they didn't get where they actually were. They were blind. Oh man, there's so many people coming in every week. We must be doing great. Or, wow, look at what's going on in our children's ministry. We must be doing fantastic. Or look what's happening over here. This, we must be doing awesome. And they were blind to what was actually going on. So, honestly assess your status. I want you to know that your elders have been working hard at this. Uh, for over a year we've been working on this project, just, just, just kind of asking the question, God, where are we at and where do we need to go as a church? Not because things are broken or, or we're scrambling to try to fix something, but just really getting an honest assessment of where the church is at. But we need your help and input. If you're hearing something that sounds off, if you're hearing something that sounds contrary to what you've heard from up front, let us know. We need to be taking care of this church. Like a toe that's become infected, sees the infection spreading throughout the rest of the body, but doesn't let the rest of the body know. Like, that's, that's detrimental. So if you see something that's off, if you see the church kind of heading in a, in a direction that you're like, well, that's not right, or you see a little part that's, that's, that's not going the way that it's supposed to be, make us aware of it. Let others know about it. We need to be honestly assessing our status. And then when we get off track, we need to repent. Jesus says this over and over and over to the churches that are just not living up to what they need to be. Repent, repent, repent. Repent when we're not being the body of Christ. Repent when we're not caring for each other. Repent when we're distracting from or conflicting with our mission. Be ready to repent. And then also two times Jesus says to remember. Revelation 2.5, he says, Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Remember from where you have fallen. Revelation 3.3, he says, Remember then what you received and heard. Shortly, we're going to remember together as we take communion. Remembering what Christ has done for us. And in your CGs, there's, there's a question uh, where you're going to be challenged to remind each other of what God has done through NBC. Of how he's used this body to be his hands and feet. We need to be drawn back that. We need to remember what God has done. In Psalm 13, David hangs on to that. You know, he says, uh, God, I, I know you're going to be good because you have been good in the past. He's dealing with a difficult time and he says, I know you're going to be good because of who you have been. So we need to remind each other and remember where we've been so that we don't get off track. And all of this needs to be done together. Do this together. The two different churches uh, that were dealing with false teachers, there were, there were some. There were some that were being drawn away. There were some that were being led astray. And we need to do this together. We need to be watching out for each other together. The eyes can't operate independently of the ears, independently of the feet. It's one body. 
And so if the body's trying to cross the street, it, you know, it can't be, the eyes are going to say, oh, I'm going to take over. I'm going to take care of this because I can, I can see. Or the ears saying, no, 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 I'm going to lead. I'm going to lead the charge across the street because I can hear. Or the feet saying, no, I'm going to lead the charge because I'm carrying the rest of you. No, the body needs to work together. And we need to be doing this together. I put some verses uh, in your notes. Matthew 18, Acts 20, 1 Corinthians 12, all talk about doing this together. 1 Corinthians 12 says, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We need to be doing this together. As we're being watchful, as we're taking care so that uh, we are able to continue to remain faithful, we need to do this together. One body, one church, one mission. But what Jesus continues to come back to as he's talking to the seven churches is he says, be faithful. That's his biggest encouragement to these churches. In chapter 2, verse 2, he says, patient endurance. Verse 3, enduring patiently. Verse 10, be faithful. Verse 13, hold fast. Verse 19, patient endurance. Verse 25, hold fast. Chapter 3, verse 3, keep it. Verse 8, keep my word. Verse 10, you've kept my word. Verse 11, hold fast. Over and over and over, Jesus is telling the churches, be faithful. Continue to remain faithful to what you've been called to do. I want you just to close your eyes for a second and listen to some of these words from Revelation. What Jesus has said to the church. And wouldn't it be amazing if Jesus said this about us, about Neighborhood Bible Church? I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the slander of those who are saying they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name, and you did not deny my faith. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who is killed among you where Satan dwells. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceeded the first. 
Only hold fast to what you have until I come. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Church, this is what Christ has called us to do, to be faithful. So continue on in this. Continue to be faithful. Man, wouldn't that be great if that was said of us? We're going to move right now into um, a time of communion. And in doing so, what I, what I wonder is, uh, you know, and, and what a fair question to ask is, what if we fail? What if we aren't faithful? Well, that's where the glory and the praise and the honor go back to God. Because we will fail. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I mean, look at the transition from Palm Sunday to Good Friday, right? Palm Sunday, they're shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! And then on Friday, crucify Him! The very same people who shouted Hosanna are shouting, crucify Him! In Matthew 26, if you want to turn there, you're, you're welcome to. But in Matthew 26, Jesus uh, lays out the Lord's Supper. And then after that, it says this, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Matthew 26, verse 31 says, Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. He's talking to the eleven among them, the eleven most faithful, the eleven that have been walking with him day in, day out for three years. You will all fall away because me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Every single one of the disciples fall away. They lose it. But Jesus extends grace and makes them the founders of the church. So the credit doesn't go to them. Man, look at those 11 guys. Like, they were amazing. Look at what they did. No, 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 no. I love looking at those guys because they were wimps. They were. <laughs> they were idiots. <laughs> But God used them so that the credit doesn't go to them, but rather to him. So as we're going to pass the elements right now, take some time and repent for the times that you're not faithful. 
If there's some repenting that you need to do between you and someone else, either go tap them on the shoulder if they're here or step out, give them a call. Get it right. Go take care of it. Don't abandon your first love. Don't forget, but remember what Christ has done for you and for me. Because of his sacrifice, we get to be seen as pure, as undefiled, as whole. Jesus, um, wow. I am so undeserving of your love. But Lord, what you've done for me, it, it boggles my mind sometimes. I am presented holy and blameless and above reproach before you. And for that, I am eternally grateful. Lord, through your strength, allow us to be faithful. All glory, all honor, all praise goes back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. To the old